Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here at the Richmond Raceway, lights out, time to go racing. All race fans, buckle up. This is going to be a good one. Coming to the white flag, both cars wash up the racetrack. Gibbs gets into the left rear, name a check. They keep them pointed in the right direction. Last time around, Richmond Raceway. Gibbs is going to force his way underneath. They make contact. Name a check is up the racetrack. Gibbs to the inside, side by side for the lead and the win in Richmond. They make contact. Gibbs will take Name a check up the track. Checkered flag is waving at the start finish line. Here they come racing back. Ty Gibbs will get there first. John Hunter's going to give him a tap going into turn number one. John Hunter Nemechek not at all happy with Ty Gibbs. Richmond Raceway, race seven of the 2022 season. We have green flag pit stops. Four zone, four zone, hitting this time. Other pit stops, Denny Hamlin is down and away. Behind you for the win, and the 19 behind you, you gotta catch him again. And here comes Denny Hamlin, this is a long way from being over. Here comes Denny Hamlin. He's going to try to get around Truex. He'll do it. Hamlin to second. Denny Hamlin is on the back bumper. Question is, where will the move come? Hamlin will rumble out of the pocket down to the inside. This is for the lead in three. Coming to the line, four laps to go. Denny Hamlin side by side with William Byron. A nose out in front. The FedEx Toyota leads at Richmond Raceway with four laps to go. Hamlin clears Byron. For the final time at the back straightaway, it is all Denny Hamlin at the Richmond Raceway. The streak has been broken. Denny Hamlin sees the checkered flag. That's one hell of a drive there, DH. Great call, Gabehart. Nice work, guys. Speechless, man. Great job. Hell of a job. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouths. Nate Ryan here with Kyle Petty. Dale Jarrett, our resident NASCAR Hall of Famer, has yes. returned <laughs> to Charlotte, North Carolina. DJ, welcome back. What did you yes. think of the race we just saw there at Richmond? Oh, thanks for having me back. And uh, racing was outstanding. You know, I, I think every race this season has been really, really good. This one in a completely different way because strategies and, and the differing strategies that, that drivers and teams had uh, made this just fascinating to watch and not knowing exactly what might happen. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to go kind of a little... I didn't like the race, um, <laughs> and and because because we had had six really yeah. good races, and 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 we were talking about we had six really good races where everybody raced, 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 and then we have a strategy race, which is totally different. And you have to be so inside baseball to understand the strategies. Uh, I've 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 seen writers that have written stuff in the last day or two. I've seen fans comments, and they don't know what they saw. You know, they know Denny won the race, and they won it on strategy, and they know that Kevin was second, but they don't understand how it happens. And it's hard when the industry or people inside the industry don't even understand how it happens. But 
you, me, guys that are inside that understand it and you watch and you know what it's like to ride around out there on yeah. old tires yeah. and see the guy just lapping you on 20-lap pressure tires and you just got to stay out of the way, you understand what the game is and you understand one's playing one game and one's playing another game, but there is a definite ending to both games and which one's going to come out on top. Right, and that, as always, is a Kyle Petty opinion. So yep. you didn't like for the sure. race. For We're sure. going to bring nope. in somebody I know who did like oh, the yeah, race. Oh, yeah, he should have liked it. He should have uh, loved it, Denny man. Hamlin, the winner <laughs> of yesterday's race at Richmond Raceway. Denny, first top ten of the season. Uh, you know, ends a 12-race winless streak personally for you, and you do it in your hometown. Uh, how did it feel to be back in victory lane in Richmond? Uh, good. Uh, but I want to address Kyle because I think he's got a point. I, I think he's, ah. you know, I, in the sense of I think sometimes we have to do a better job of telling the story of what is going on, right? And now, if you're in the stands, uh, by all means, how can uh, how can you figure out what's going on? Because everyone's going different speeds and, and all that stuff. So unless you've got a headset on and, and you're telling a story through the radio – which TV even had a tough time of, you know, they didn't even recognize that, like, oh, my gosh, there's a chance somebody else could win other than the guys we just were talking about to the last eight laps. So, you know, certainly if they couldn't figure it out, it'd be hard unless you're a hardcore fan. But if you looked at the ticker with 30 laps to go and all of a sudden we're lapped down and then, wait a minute, we're 25 seconds, 20, 15, like you would say, okay, well, there's – something going on here that that we're not talking about so i think it, it can be confusing and you know how we can simplify that is we just you know we've got to have uh, everyone trying to tell the story of what is going on because i think that you know if you look at f1 it's it's 95 percent strategy right i mean you got a fast car but, but they tell the story of what's going on and who's going to undercut who but i know that's not anything like what you asked me sorry <laughs> Yeah. That, that's okay. a, but that listen, listen. That is a great description. Right. That that is, that is a great description by Denny on, on what goes on in Formula One. They start from the very first lap, explaining the different strategies that are going to be out there. When this race became a strategy race, then that's what needed to be explained because there were cars at one time. Denny and and Kevin and the forty three car, Eric Jones, were running twelfth, thirteenth, tenth, right along in there. Eric Jones and those guys choose one strategy and end up 25th. Denny and Kevin take another strategy, and there's a separation. And it happens in the race, 200 laps into the race, 220 laps into the race. You should have seen it coming, or somebody should have seen it coming and explained it at that point. And I think I'm going to get to DJ here in a minute, but I just want to bring you back in real quick, Denny. When you pitted on lap 354, you were told then that it was probably going to be you versus Harvick, right, for the win? Yep, Yep. it was all over the radio. He kept saying, keep the four behind you. we got a really good shot at winning. We're going to win. And so I, we knew it. Um, I think a lot of people on pit road knew it, but it's, you know, how the casual fan in the stands would know it. Uh, it'd be probably impossible to, to kind of understand that unless someone's telling you in your ear what's going on and the cars are so loud. You can't tell your neighbor what, <laughs> what's going on. So, so that's a whole other thing, but but, yeah, I mean, I, I get it that, you know, it can be viewed from the purest standpoint. You're probably going to see on social media, the purists will say, great, this has been just an awesome race because we saw strategies play out and it all came together in the last five laps. The casual will be like, I have no clue what's going on. Yeah. 
So, so Danny, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm sure you've been on the other side of the strategy to where you had the older tires and someone else is coming along and the difficulties in driving a race car like that and trying to win a race versus having the fresher tires and being able to have the faster car for the majority of the time in doing that, but making the right moves because you were so much faster than a lot of cars there. The difficulties in what you had to do and making sure that you maximize but all your time and those tires because you only had a certain amount of time to get there. Yeah, and you have to vary that based off of what your car is capable of. Now, typically, my team keeps me out longer because I'm typically a good driver on the long run. So. Um, if you have good long run speed, then you want to run long typically. But at Richmond, we have more of a short run car. That was the strength that we had yesterday. So we altered our strategy to fit what our car was capable of on that particular day. So, um, you know, the only, the other time, last time we did this was actually Darlington in 2017. Same thing. We were a lap down or I, I think they were coming to lap me with just 28 laps to go and we made up the lap and won the race. So um, it's not the first time that it's happened, um, but yeah, it's it, it definitely can get confusing, which is frustrating because it is so intriguing. If you were in, if you're really in the know, it's, you know, okay, we're gonna run X amount laps faster per lap. This many laps left, we're gonna catch them with blank laps to go. And that happens on our radio all the time. He says, you're gonna catch them with you know, six laps to go, three laps to go. He, at this pace, we're good. As long as you keep this pace, we're good. So um, it, it was an interesting race for sure. And, and it's not like we came out of any nowhere. We were running third yeah. when we yeah. decided to split strategies. Um, it was us, the 24 and 19, that were all right there kind of in a two to three second group. And then we had a gap back behind us. And then we all just took a different route of where we wanted to go. So I, I want to know this, um, and, and there's been a lot of talk today. Are you guys back, and is Toyota back? And the reason I, I, I say that is because corporate Toyota uh, had, had some, some, some conversation that they told one group to take one strategy, one group to take another strategy, and that their tire simulation and some of the simulation that you guys have, have had has been off the first five or six races. But you made that correction, and then you show up, and all four of you are technically, you're in the race. You're in the race. You're in contention all day long. So where are, are you guys from that standpoint? Do you feel like this is a turning point for you guys? And I know you want to race, and, and winning races cure a lot of ills. But yeah. are you back in the race now? Well, I'm, I'm also a realist. And, and I, I said in the media center right after the race that we won this weekend. It would not surprise me if we run 15th this week in Martinsville. It would not surprise me if we win this week in Martinsville. It's this car right now with us in particular. I talk about us as a company, Toyota Joe Gibbs Racing. It is week to week. We went and we had the four to five fastest cars at Las Vegas and took the same car capability short of the setup and went to Vegas or uh, to Phoenix and none of us could run hardly 15th. So it's I, this week's success does not guarantee that we are quote unquote back or uh, we, we've found it. I think it's going to be week to week until we come back to these tracks for a second time, or we create a data point for each type of racetrack. Um, it's still TBD. 
Well, Denny, as you know, uh, another short track in Virginia coming up is Martinsville. And uh, this is a show for the fans, NASCAR America Motor Mouse. And I think we've got James mm. on the line who'd like to ask you about Martinsville. James, go ahead with your question for Denny Hamlin. All right. Um, I wanted to ask, um, after your win yesterday at Richmond once again, uh, does that give you and your teammates at Joe Gibbs Racing uh, more confidence going into Martinsville at Virginia once again next weekend? Well, one thing's for sure is that we were short on confidence after Phoenix, and that's a track that, that the closest correlation that we could bring to Richmond, uh, which is kind of sad to say because they are so actually different. But it's that's how we set up our cars. We use a, a datum point of saying, okay, that we ran, let's say we ran good at Phoenix. We go to Richmond, our setups should be this much different. Well, we all ran like crap at Phoenix, so we had no no information to go off of. So we had to guess at Richmond. The guess was right. And now when we go back to tracks like that, it's going to be, we should have a point of reference. Martinsville, maybe the closest thing that we have to draw is from the clash. I would say none of us were good there. So we're going to have to guess again. That's why I was saying that. That's why I was, I'm saying it would not surprise me if we win or run 15th. It's until we establish a good point on those types of tracks, it's just going to be a crapshoot. Hey, Denny, my question isn't about driving or anything else, but from the time that you came into the Cup Series, you basically had one sponsor, and the, the partnership and relationship that you have with, with FedEx is really, at this point in time in the sport, unmatched. Uh, how about that? And, and tell, tell us some of the things that you have done over the years and, and what you have to do to continue that relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's so important, and, I mean, I couldn't do it without – them i mean they've been with me my my whole career which is so rare and you know i it, it's are my cars recognizable for the most part every week right i mean you just uh it's such a normalcy in our sport now where you know the nine car or the 10 car could look totally different you just never know what is your car your favorite driver going to show up in a yellow car or a black car this week like it's just you don't really know but FedEx has been that, you know, true and true brand that has, has been on the racetrack and really believes in the NASCAR program and myself, which has uh, just been such a blessing. And I, I think my lucky stars every day that I've got a company like them behind me that uh, it sees the value in myself and in this team. So it's uh, it's great. You know, it's a relationship we hope to keep to the end of my career and um, I hope to continue to grow it as well. Okay, so that's that's the sponsor on your car. How's the owner business? Uh, I'm a big fan of the 45. I don't know if you know that or not, but I'm a big fan <laughs> of the 45. So talk to me about that a little bit. Oh gosh, I, it's <laughs> on days like yesterday. I like I'm happy for a second, and then I look at the results, and I'm like, WTF? Like, gotta be kidding me. Like, what happened here? What happened there? <laughs> and so. It's frustrating because I couldn't even enjoy my win very much for very long. I mean, we're, we're in the comp meeting today at JGR, and it's like, you know, good job, guys. We, we really turned the corner, and we, we've got a good spot to work from here. And then I'm in, you know, meetings uh, at JGR for the next X amount of time over loose wheels and pit crews and <laughs> stuff breaking. It's like, you know, so much for the party. 
Now let's get <laughs> now 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 y'all bring out Denny Downer again. Congrats. <laughs> well, if that wasn't bad enough, Denny, you've also got us asking, you know, when are you ever going to win again? And the narrative, of course, through the first six races of 2022 is changing of the guard and guys over 40 are never going to win again. Um, how have you dealt with all that? Does that get to you? I know you've been doing this a long time. Does that bug you a little bit? I haven't just because I know like this is so fluid right now with the next gen car and everything is so new that somebody's going to hit on something. Right. And I mean, you look at uh track house, for instance, right. They, they were, they've been great the first five to six races and then they, they went to Richmond and didn't run well at all. So it's like, there's just, it seems like the setups are really starting to be a, a pretty important factor in your performance week to week. And when you miss it, you miss it big. So, um, it never really worried me about the young guys, old guys and stuff. I, you know, I race enough with Kevin Harvick and I know my potential, obviously, um, that it's it just, it was a matter of time. Um, and and it, it also, it's a matter of time for these organizations. You know, Joe Gibbs Racing is not just going to run 15th every week and be okay with it. They're going to work really, really hard to get, get past that. And, and hopefully we, we turn the corner this weekend on that. But yeah, I'm, there's a lot of good years and a lot of race wins left between me and uh, when I finally hang it up. Hey, Denny, I got one last thing. We're going to let you go, but I know this is an era and a time when everybody wants to make a new T-shirt uh, showing or about <laughs> something. But if you and I know that you've looked at this, but when you were uh, passing William Byron there, going down the back straightaway, they showed a camera shot, and the intensity that I saw in your eyes was unbelievable. I think that would be a great shot for a t-shirt. Yeah. Just my input there. I'll buy one. <laughs> All right. I'll get with Bowman and see how I, how I get that done. <laughs> yeah, put it right hack. Good job. Yeah, look Do good. it, man. Do it. Denny, yeah. uh, congratulations, congratulations on your win. Man. And, uh, congratulations. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right. Denny Hamlin joining us here on NASCAR America Motormouths. Uh, Seems like a different guy after yeah. after oh, racing. Oh, when we win, hell oh, yeah. yeah! I mean, but but you know, I mean, especially because, as you pointed out, everything that was being said and the whole yeah. whole Toyota camp was kind of taking a beating, not just Joe yeah. Gibbs racing, but everybody involved. But and, and the things, and, and you know, these guys, they're talented enough, obviously, to continue to win. But but when you bring something totally new in, trying to figure all of that out can be difficult yeah. at times. I don't care how long you've been doing. Yeah, and, and li- listen and. I, I like that, like he said, I think he's in a different place. He's realistic. Yeah, that didn't yeah. turn him around. One, one race didn't turn him around. What one race did, though, is whether he admits it or we admit it or anybody else's, there was a lot of background noise, mm-hmm. and that shut yeah. down a lot of that background noise. Mm-hmm. That yeah. shut down the over 40. That shut down Will Denny win. That shut down what's wrong with Toyota. At least it shuts it down for a little while which allows them to focus and move forward. Yeah, when you drive for a team, you own your yeah. own team, that is, that's a lot of background That's noise. a lot of background And uh, he put a lot of that to bed. So we've heard the thoughts of Denny Hamlin. We'll hear your thoughts other side of the break when we come back. NASCAR America Motormouths with your phone calls. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. First six races haven't gone great, but we've had you know some good, you know, over half of them, we've had 
winning cars. I know that sounds crazy, you know, but you know, Daytona, I'm sure, would be fine. In Atlanta, we were good. And Vegas thought we had a great shot to win there. Now there's been some struggles in those other ones. Waiting seven races to, to win is not what we have a, a level of the performance that we expect more than that. So um, I'm, I'm glad we we're able to kind of turn the ship around at least for, for a week. And then next week, we're going to see if we um, you know, really started to build some momentum going forward. It's really the first clean day that we've had all year. Cars have been fast and, and um, had a shot there at the end just... I wanted to be close enough with the white to just take a swipe at him, but um, yeah, the lap cars there kind of got in the way, and I lost a little bit of ground. James did a great job all day with strategy, getting us up front, getting us the lead. You know, at the end there, I think we just tried to gamble and um, tried to gamble on beating the 24, and then he ended up doing our strategy, which we both screwed up. So he did a little bit. It was definitely a good, aggressive call. Proud of uh, the team on that. You know, we've got to win this year so we can do things like that. And yeah, I was hanging on, so trying to put corners together and uh, not slip the tires, but did the best job we could and uh, had fun. We were slipping and sliding there at the end on uh, those that tire, those tires there. So uh, that was wild, but uh, good to get back in the top five after you know, three bad races in a row. I, kind of, I was inside of him in the three, and I kind of got loose and washed up halfway, and we never touched. And went down into one, and he just decided to send me. So the next race started, I sent him. So now we're even. Um, just got in there deep, and you know had to bump him out of the way up the track. So uh, you know we're short track racing. I deserve one back, uh, but we're racing for a win. So you know I got to do whatever I can to win. Um, you know we race really good there. I feel like we put on a good show, so that's really important. Him and I will settle it Monday. Um, I don't want to say too much and get myself in trouble, but. Uh, this guy drove through. Um, he didn't even try and make the corner there. So um, racers never forget, that's for sure. So Joe Gibbs Racing sweeps the weekend. Xfinity race was a little bit more controversial, though, than the cup finish. We had Ty Gibbs yeah. driving through John Hunter Nemechek, as John Hunter Nemechek put it. And I think Ty Gibbs somewhat was contrite about that, sort of agree with him. What did you think of the, the finish there? I don't care. <laughs> no, 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 well, we've seen this with the Gibbs organization. Did we not? Is this not Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards? Is this not? Yeah. I mean, have we yeah. not seen it in their organization? We yeah. get to turn three, and it's every man for himself. Yeah. And, and I think Ty Gibbs grew up with that. He understands that. And, and John Hunter should understand that. I mean, it's, it's listen, that, I, I don't think he did anything. He, obviously, he got to the corner. He run him high. He didn't take him out. He no. didn't spin him. He didn't do anything. He just used the whole racetrack. No harm, no foul, as far as I'm concerned. You're not paying attention if you haven't figured out that this is the way that Ty Gibbs is going to race. Yeah. I don't have a problem. That's right. when you, this is kind of the way he's going to be. Ross Chastain's a lot the same way yeah, in the, right. the Cup Series. And these young guys, that's the way they're going to yes. do it. You know, We knew how Dale Earnhardt Sr. was going to race. That's exactly too. right. And if yeah. you got Great mad point. about it, yeah, you could get mad. I'm not saying that John Hunter shouldn't be mad and be a little bit upset, but you got to expect this. When you put yourself in that situation with him, you got to know what's coming. So you yep. have to plan accordingly as to what your plan's going to be, which would be, in my opinion, you enter that corner turning left hard, and if y'all make contact, maybe neither one of you win. But then at least you tried to do yeah. something. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. Maybe this is a larger discussion, but is this the way anybody under 30 that you're racing against now that you should sort of oh, be yeah. thinking in those terms? that They're going to race this way. <laughs> that, yeah. <They're>, <laughs> listen, I, I think, and, and let's go back to, we can go back to Dale's dad and my dad yeah. mm-hmm. and how they raced. Yeah. And then there was a, 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 a shift as those guys aged out. And you get Earnhardt and Rusty and Mark and, and Dale and all of us come along. And then as Jeff Gordon comes in, there's another shift and Jimmy Johnson. So it's, it's the evolution of the driver. And along with the evolution of what the driver and the way they race, it's the evolution of the car 
that's capable of delivering, taking those blows, delivering those blows, and coming out on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think uh, we'll go back to the phones and talk to Chandler. Chandler, welcome to NASCAR American Motormouths. Thank you, Nate. And um, before I get to my question, I do want to answer the question you guys posted on social media on who deserves to be in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And my dad's been a fan of him. My granddad's been a fan of him. So Jeff Burton, the mayor, definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think, in my personal video, I believe Harry Dan and Neil Bonnet well deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. God bless those guys. So anyways, Kyle, you asked Denny the question, you know, are you guys back in the game after they won that? And when I look at Kevin Harvick, I feel like, you know, that's the greatest thing to start off the season. Now, I know sixth place, that was good. But in your guys' opinion, do you believe Kevin Harvick is back in the game? And do you believe later this season he is going to beat that winless streak and, get, and finally get back to victory lane? And that's a great question. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think and, – and, Listen, I'm, it's not anything I've said bef- not said before. I felt like that last year having Chase Briscoe and Cole Custer and Eric Almarola did not elevate Kevin Harvick's game. It brought Kevin Harvick's game down because those three drivers were not adding to moving the ball forward with that car. I think Chase Briscoe has stepped up this year. I think mm-hmm. Chase, Bris- Chase Briscoe has improved by leaps and bounds. But you still got two guys, and I hate to say it, that are dead weight, okay, with this team. You know what I mean? You've got Kevin that can run up front. You've got Chase and that organization or that group that has. But what are these other guys contributing? You know what I mean? And I don't sit in their meetings. So please, 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 you can get as mad at me as you want to. I don't sit in their meetings, but it doesn't show on the racetrack if they are contributing anything. I, I think a lot of this falls on Kevin. I think it has for the last few years. And Kevin as great a race car driver as he is, can only do so much. We've been in this situation before. He can't carry the whole organization unless it's a one-car team because they're drawing off of him. Um, It's the same old thing, man. Hot water, you pour a little cold water in, it gets warm. It doesn't get hotter. You know what I mean? And and Chase has stepped up. Right, I will say right. that. Well, yeah. he had the win at Phoenix. Yes. He's already in the yeah. playoffs. Do you think was Kevin Harvick maybe motivated a little bit by the fact that, to your point, Kyle, oh, yeah. last year was all about the, the the teams dragging him down. This year, he wasn't really the clear cut number one guy. We'll, we'll let him answer that. When your teammate wins races, does it motivate you? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> There's not a bigger motivation. That's right. Enough. I mean, that that's even more motivating than running second a couple of weeks in a row because yeah. you know you you realize that it is possible within your organization that how do I have to change? now and did did Kevin and Rodney go and say you know I mean obviously they know everything that's going on uh, with Chase Briscoe and his team so did they were there things that helped them to to make this better I believe Kevin Harvick is going to win I think there are certain racetracks that he's going to struggle a little bit more at with this car uh, that maybe he didn't even before uh, but until he gets a little bit more time with them but I think there are tracks particularly uh, coming up, that, he, that he's going to put himself. I see them continuously putting yeah. themselves in position for that to happen. And, and so you put yourself there enough times, you either find the, the day that you do everything perfect or you take advantage of someone else not being perfect and, and go get that yeah. win. So I believe he wins. Yeah, and, and that's a great point because I think what he's done in the first five or six races this year is at least he's given him an opportunity, himself an opportunity to look at a top five to yeah. look at a win. Last year, we didn't see that from, from right. that team. Right. Uh, that team struggled mightily last year. 
Good call, Chandler. And yeah. Chandler also mentioned NASCAR Hall of Fame yep. nominees. We'll be getting to those a little bit later in the show. But first, we're going back to the phones and talk to NASCAR, our favorite. NASCAR, you're on NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Hey, you guys, I want to talk about the top three being back. You know, we talk about this all the time. KP, you, you say it quite frankly. The top team's top money, they're, we expect them for they're going to perform. So I'm not. I'm not surprised by Denny winning. I think Kevin's going to win. But my point to this, even though we have a new car, you know, we say it's early in the season. We're 10 races in, 16 races. Okay, uh, do we hit the panic button? There's 16 races to go before we get to the chase, even though that's uh, quite a few races. It comes up quick. So Denny mentioned it when you guys had talked to him about week to week. When do you gauge okay, a team, they're, they're out of it. This is going to be a bad season. I mean, don't you really have to go to week to week? Because we always try to gauge this team and that team, but yet they are the top teams. I feel that they will win. So when is the gauge when you say, okay, this is a bad season? Yeah, I, I don't know. Carl. It's like this, Carl. When I get up in the morning, if I spill my coffee, it's going to be a bad day. Uh, and I'm just going to have to ride the whole day out. A lot of times your season starts that way. And you have five or six bad races, you don't recover all season long. Even if you win a race, you don't recover. It's, 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 you just get in a bad place. You're just, uh, you know, we have, we have a half a bubble off. You're just not where you need to be. You just can't get into that rhythm. And then we see guys who seem to be able to do no wrong. Kyle Larson last year. No matter what they did was right. No matter what they did was right. And, and we've both been in that position where you run a whole race and you win the race and they tear it down and six valve springs are broke. Yeah. And you think, how'd this thing finish? And then when you're on a bad run, that thing breaks on the fifth lap and you've got to drive it all day long on, on five cylinders. You, you know what I mean? And that's just, it, it lived up and it won a race. Why couldn't it run all day today? So mm-hmm. there, there's just that. So I think a lot of times when we look at this, um, and you look at, and, and I'm, I'm not picking on 2311, but you look at the 23 car. They've not started any stronger this year than they started last year. We look at the six car with, with Brad Kay and RFK Racing. There was a bright spot for them at Richmond, but they've not started strong. That's not been a good season. So these guys are going to struggle to get in back in the game where these other teams are in the game and are moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think in years past with, with – with cars that had been from year to year to year making improvements and things that you could do, we could answer that a little more clearly. Yep. That when you've got when you got past race fifteen, and so between fifteen and twenty, it, you could kind of tell who was going to be a part of this, who had the capabilities of winning. I'm not sure because I, I, I think they're so limited as to what they can actually do to these cars. So how do the drivers figure out? And we heard some drivers that have talked about this a number of times figuring out how to get speed out of their car because it seems to be that that what they could do and what they might go to before to to get to make their cars fast that that's completely different with this so trying to figure that out how you know what can you do to make that happen or what do you have to do as a driver to to change what you're doing to make that happen so this could go a little bit longer before i decide maybe even to race 20 or so before i decide that that no they're actually not going to get there this year that they're going to have to look past this yeah Yeah. definitely a lot to watch there with the new car yeah it was a well done carl we appreciate that as always you bring great topics another great topic today nascar hall 
Hall of Fame nominees. On the other side, we will talk to the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Winston Kelly, joins us on NASCAR America Motormouths. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Welcome back to NASCAR American Motormouths. There you see nominees for the 2023 NASCAR Hall of Fame, the modern era about the Pioneer Landmark and the uh, Landmark as well. So you've got new nominees, Tim Brewer, Matt Kenseth, Sam Ard, AJ Foyt, Lisa France Kennedy, new to the ballot this year. The rest are the same that were held over from a couple of years ago. So joining us to discuss the NASCAR Hall of Fame is the executive director Winston Kelly. Winston, thanks for joining us here in NASCAR America Motormouths and tell us about the very exciting process that we started today. We'll continue in May with the uh, vote to determine the 2023 NASCAR Hall of Fame class. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Delighted to be on and uh, you guys are going to get to be a part of it uh, here in just a few weeks. Uh, the process has been fairly similar. Uh, there have been some tweaks that have been done over the years, but we've started in in February and the nominating committee gets together and nominates for the pion- for the uh, modern era ballot. That part was changed for the class of 2021, where 10 people are nominated from those who participated in NASCAR predominantly since 1963. Then uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Honors Committee met, and that's made up predominantly of living NASCAR Hall of Famers. Of course, DJ was a part of that. His dad's a part of that group. And we discussed people who have participated predominantly uh, from 1963 prior, and five people are nominated for that process. And those 15 nominees are presented to the voting panel, which will meet on May the 4th, and there'll be 62 people that will discuss and debate and have the exact same debates that you hear on all the call-in shows and whether it's radio shows, TV shows, and select two people from the modern era ballot and one from the pioneer ballot. And of course, they will select one uh, landmark award recipient. Listen, when, when, when you add people to the nominating committee, just walk us through the nominating process, because as you talk about you know, 63 to the modern era, 63 in the beginning. I mean, it's got to be tough for that group of individuals to narrow it down to those 10, 15 people. Yeah, there, there's 24 people on the nominating committee that nominate for the modern era ballot. And those are made up of people from NASCAR and many of the different tracks, some of the earlier tracks, you know, South Boston Speedway, Kathy Rice was added to that. Uh, Dale Penalist from Bowman Gray Stadium. Uh, People like Jim France, Mike Helton, Clay Campbell, who have been around the sport for a long, long time, are on that nominating committee for the modern era ballot. And the honors committee is made up predominantly of living NASCAR Hall of Famers. Every living NASCAR Hall of Famer is invited to be a part of the process, as well as living Squire Hall Award recipients, living Landmark recipients, and then a couple of people from the NASCAR Hall of Fame and a few people from NASCAR. So there are about 43 on that. And it's a wide open discussion. Uh, Anybody that's been nominated in the past, they don't automatically carry forward. So they're discussed 
And then we also talk about eligibility. If there's any question there, uh, similarly on the honors committee, there are dozens and dozens of people and DJ will remember this. There are probably a couple of dozen names that were thrown around and then we're given a ballots that have 10 places on it for the modern era ballot when they met in February. Uh, and then when we met a couple of weeks ago for the honors committee, you've got five lines. You don't check a box. You fill in the five names that you feel like are most deserving for this year. Uh, and then they're turned over to an accounting firm. And then it was unveiled and announced today. So yeah, KP, it is incredibly difficult because every conversation starts out with, well, all, everybody we've talked about deserves to be considered. So where are you going to draw the line and, and people advocate for certain folks that they feel like made tremendous contributions to the sport? Yeah, Winston, that is so fascinating to me. And for people like Kyle and myself who have been around this sport our entire lives, the things that you learn and that you hear there and, and you know, some things that we can offer and, and add our uh, parts to might be personal things. Uh, but it's just so intriguing to hear all of that. And, and I know that it has to be basically kept, you know, under wraps and, and in that room or however we're doing it. But I, I think that it would be fascinating at some point if the fans could hear yeah. conversations that go on there uh, because there's so many things that are brought up about many of these drivers that uh, maybe most people wouldn't recognize and understand and know. And, you know, and that's one of the things, and, and I have to give credit to NASCAR for the process. I'd love to be able to take credit for it, but when I first learned about it, uh, when it was begun in 2009 for the inaugural class, and then as it's been tweaked, I really like our process, and I particularly like the people that are around the room in each one of these committees because they're people from various different perspectives. And as you said, DJ, so many people who actually raced against these these guys. That's why I like so much that you got living Hall of Famers, people like your father and Richard Petty and Ken Squire that covered them, that knew what they did. And there have been conversations about allowing people to look behind the curtain. And one of the concerns is the candor that you see in the room would be jeopardized, whether or not people would be as honest as they are about why they feel this person is the most deserving. Because uh, you rarely hear folks put people down, but they advocate for folks. And here's why I think this person should be on the list this year. But it's making sure that people can be very candid about their perspective. Winston, we appreciate you joining us. Before yeah. I let you go, though, really quick, I know there'll be some questions. You mentioned eligibility. Matt Kenseth raced. Uh, in the 2020 season after he had pretty much left NASCAR after 2018, but you allowed him to be on this ballot? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Nate. And that's one of the things that the nominating committee looked at. You look at the criteria, it's based on having been retired for two years. And NASCAR has the option to come into the nominating committee or honors committee and say, this person is or is not eligible. The other thing they have the option to do is let the committee have the discussion and debate. And that's what the nominating committee did. Talked about Matt Kenseth and whether or not he met, meet, 
met the spirit of the rule and the spirit of being retired for two years. In his case, he didn't race at all in 2019. He came back under very unique circumstances where Chip Ganassi Racing needed somebody that was experienced, that was respected, that their stakeholders, their fans, their sponsors would react positively to. So he set some things aside in his personal life, came back and raced did not race in 2021 and the nominating committee felt like he met the spirit of having been away from the sport and stepped back for two years but they didn't decide we're going to nominate him everybody filled out their ballots and when he became on the ballot as one of the nominees now it's up to the voting panel so it's up to people like yourself and dj and the other folks on the panel to say is this the right year for the class of 2023. So it's a great question. And, and there was good discussion about that in February in the nominating committee. I'm sure there'll yeah. be more, yeah. more good discussion debate yeah. to come. Thanks as yeah. always uh, for joining us, Winston. We'll look forward to the vote next month. Thanks for having us. May the 4th, look forward to it. All right. I am looking forward to it as well. Let's uh, go back to the phones. I think we got some people who want to talk NASCAR Hall of Fame and we'll welcome in Joseph to NASCAR America Motormouths. Joseph, go ahead. Hi. It's um, nice to be on your show, guys. Hello? Yeah. Nice to have you. What you got? I, I've uh, been your fan since, like, the early 2000s, and I've, I've been following great drivers like Bubba Wallace, Jeff Gordon, and Dale Jr., and I would like to say, uh, say something about the NASCAR Hall of Fame ballot. Okay. All right. I really... I really do think it's time for Matt Kenseth to be in the Hall of Fame because he is a very good and decent driver. How do I know? I met him two times at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, my home track. Yeah. All right. Well, Joseph thinks yeah, Matt Kenseth so should be in. He, was in the, he must have been in the room when they had the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's and, ask the man to your left. No, yeah. yeah. And, and, but seriously, Matt is well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. Championship, everything he's done. There, there, there's, there's nothing saying uh, he will be in, yes. but there's nothing in my opinion that tells me that you can't not put Matt Kenseth in on the first ballot. Yeah. I mean, he is, you know, champion, uh, two-time, I believe, winner of the Daytona 500. Yeah. Yep. Just everything that everything. you would, would do uh, that, yeah. that you're looking for in a driver. Did he make the sport better? Yes, he definitely made yeah. the sport better by his participation. Uh, so, yes, Matt Kenseth for sure uh, will be in the Hall of Fame at some point in time. I, you know, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are going to vote, but uh, you have to think that he's going to get serious consideration yeah. this first yeah. time. I have not decided yet, but I have a feeling he's probably going to find his way onto my ballot. Uh, back to the phones, we'll talk to Sierra on NASCAR America Motormouths. Welcome to the show, Sierra. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Yes, definitely. What you got about the Hall of Fame? What do I got? What do I got? I got um, Jeff Burton. Jeff Burton? Ah, Jeff Burton. Okay. That's a good choice. All right, we lost Sierra. Um, yeah, okay. Jeff Burton. You guys work with him? Yeah. He's on the, the ballot for the second consecutive year. Yes. It's and very and l- listen, it's, it's, we, we, can, we can take, you know, you take Burton, you take Kenseth, you take a lot of these guys that are on. They're just a mainstay. They're steady. They've done it. They've done so much on the racetrack. But think about what Jeff's done off the racetrack, too. Think about how he has been a leader in that garage area. 
um, for the Cup Series and now with the new Drivers Council. Think about what he's doing here. Think about coming into your living room every Sunday on NBC Sports and explaining it to you. I, I think, I think you know, for me, Jeff falls in that Benny Parsons category where he's just been the every man to everybody. Um, just that kind of guy, so for sure. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, yeah, don't come at me with that, that he didn't win that Cup yeah. championship. That doesn't that mean, mean anything. everything. He's made a huge, huge difference. He is a Hall of Fame driver and a Hall of Fame person. Yeah. Well, I'll just ask you, DJ. I mean, you're in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You were a NASCAR analyst, but you won the championship. I mean, Kyle just said it. Jeff Burton has now entered this second phase of his career. How much do you think that helps in terms of, you know, your candidacy and his candidacy? Yeah, it has a, it's not just about your driving career. We have yeah. people in there that never drove a lap. You yeah. know, what, what difference did you make in the sport? And mm-hmm. Jeff Burton has made a huge difference in a lot of ways uh, in this sport and continues to this day to do that. Yes. So he is certainly uh, a, a candidate yeah. and a person and driver, uh, but more as a person uh, than anything else because, you know, his driving credentials are there. That's great. But he's done so much more than that that, that you have to be uh, considered. There. Yeah, and you, you look at everybody that's in the Hall of Fame from, from the very first year, from Dale's group, all the way through. Those drivers not only performed, or those people not only performed on the racetrack, around the racetrack, through the racetrack, but they moved the sport forward. They moved the sport yeah. to a different place. Um, and, and we can go back through the whole thing, but Jeff Burton ticks that box every single time yeah. to move in the sport forward. All right, one of 10 drivers on the modern era ballot, Jeff Burton. Two of them will be chosen for the 2023 NASCAR Hall of Fame. When we come back to NASCAR American Motormouths, more of your phone calls on the NASCAR Hall of Fame and more. Please join us back on the other side. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Three corners left for Alexis Bargro. History beckons here for him on the factory of Pretty Team. It's been the longest wait in Grand Prix history since your debut for your first victory. But here he comes then, two corners remaining. Alexis Spargo and Aprilia celebrate their first ever win in MotoGP. It's pure delirium for Aprilia and Alexis Spargo on his 200th MotoGP start. Aprilia and Alexis Spargo finally are MotoGP winners. I'm very happy, you know, it's been a long, long time to arrive here. I would like to say thanks to, to everybody in Aprilia, Noale. I think we deserve it, we, we truly deserve it. And uh, the most uh, also special thing is that we're leading the championship, so this is just a dream. The longest wait in MotoGP history, 200 races to get his first victory. Some are calling him the Michael Waltrip of MotoGP, no. I called him the Michael Only Waltrip. Only Kyle I'll Petty is that. calling him the Michael Kyle Waltrip <laughs> of MotoGP, Alicia Spargo. Look at some other guys here with the most serious starts with a win. 186 for Daniel Suarez in the Cup Series. Connor Daly, 82 in IndyCar. Kyle Chisholm, 139 in Supercross. Carlos Sainz Jr., 142 in Formula One. But he drives a Ferrari. I like his chances. Maybe you're getting one yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, listen, I don't know. I don't watch this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I joke. He I joke. Watch I, joke. I joke. I joke. We're just I talking joke, about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I saw Daniel Suarez. I like his chances. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah. I do this too. Year too. Because uh, do too. we obviously think the world of him, but, uh, you know, 
Great team, and uh, he's an outstanding yeah. driver, so I think it's going to happen there. And I'm a Connor Daly fan because he had a mullet one time. He wears a Kyle Petty T-shirt every now and then. So he's, he's got he's a lot my of guy. Kyle Petty in Yeah, he's my guy. He's my guy. Connor's my guy. Yeah, Connor would be your guy. All right, back to the phones we go. And uh, Gail is on the line for NASCAR America Motor Miles. Gail, I believe you have a NASCAR Hall of Fame prediction for us. Yes, I do. Good evening to everybody. I I want to vote for Matt Kenseth. He's my favorite NASCAR driver. He is from Cambridge, and I am from Janesville, Wisconsin, not very far away from Cambridge. So I met him uh, at uh, uh, Janesville Farm and Fleet one year, and I got a ticket to go in. And I shook hands with Matt Kenseth, and I was crying because it was my first time ever meet Matt Kenseth. And I thought he was a fabulous, a wonderful person, and I got his autograph a couple of times. So I'm a very special with Matt Kenseth. Uh, I'm also a big NASCAR fan also. Well, we appreciate the uh, call, Thank Gail. You. And hey, what could be more Wisconsin than meeting Matt Kenseth at the farming <laughs> fleet? Okay, if you're yeah. from James. Good point. Yeah. Good point. But if he was from Washington, would she still like him? Because <laughs> I, I think regardless of which state he was from. But I yeah. understand the yeah. connection that there. Good. That's good. That was that, good. That was that's good. good that they stick by him. Yes. But yeah. I yeah. think, that's yeah, good. regardless of where he came from, yeah. he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right. Uh, back to the phones. We'll talk to Tyler next. Tyler, welcome to NASCAR America Motormouths. No, I think you got it wrong. It's Kyle. Kyle. No, this is Kyle. No, Kyle's here. Kyle's here. Kyle <laughs> can't be Tyler there. here, but go ahead with whatever <laughs> you got. Just go ahead. Way. Just go ahead. Whatever. Just go ahead. Hey, man, my my um, my vote for the Hall of Fame is going to be Ricky Rudd. And and the only reason I'm, I'm saying this, and you guys remember the race where he had to tape his eyelids open Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? And, and listen, and that that that's a great choice. I, I spent some time with Ricky back in, I guess, was it March? Is it is March past? Or are we in March? Yeah, we're in April. Now. Yeah, okay. So maybe last the month. first of March last month. I can't even remember. And and it is fascinating how he got into the sport um, with Bill Champion and came along and drove for mm-hmm. Bill Champion and then got the die guard ride after Daryl jumped ship and and went over to Junior. I mean, his whole story. And then in the end. He didn't just take from this sport. He started his own team and gave back to this sport uh, in a lot of ways. So I, I think Ricky is just that guy. He was the first guy when I was coming along that was under 20 years old to jump in a race car and go out there and go door-to-door with Pearson and, and my dad and Bobby and Donnie and Kale and, and all those guys. So um, he came along just before Earnhardt, but he's, he's definitely a guy. You know, DJ, the only driver on the modern era ballot who has a championship is Matt Kenseth. Mm-hmm. But I suspect if Ricky Rudd... Wouldn't have driven so long for himself on his cell phone oh, yeah. team. He, you know, he had some chances at Yates. Yeah. Um, in 2000, I guess he, he was your teammate, then, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. a, a, a different career. He might have been a champion. That might have been a guy who had already been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he point. battled for championships. Yes. And, yeah. You know, that, that Ricky Rudd was always somebody yeah. that you looked at that you give to many racetracks. You knew that he was going to be a factor yeah. there, and, and he was just so skilled at so many different types of tracks. But but his technique, his uh, ability to get the most out of a car and and always there you know he he just wasn't going to miss races and uh but to do you know 
And then, but he had it in him to want to go do it for himself and to get that win at Indianapolis, driving yeah. uh, for his own team. Just incredible yeah, that yeah. he was able to, to do that. So uh, definitely Hall of Fame worthy, yeah. no doubt about yeah. it. And, and if, we, if we go by what fans today call road course ringers, even though you've drive, driven a stock car your whole life, yeah. he was a road course ringer. Yeah. He knew how to get around a road course when nobody else did. Yeah. Uh, he and Terry Labonte, those guys came along about that time. And they showed everybody. He used to show Richmond that, that heel toe camera. Yeah, they, yeah. But he Listen, used to perfect he, that. He showed them how to get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no question. Uh, more NASCAR Hall of Fame discussion. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Kim. Kim, I believe you have a NASCAR Hall of Fame prediction. Josh. Let's go to Josh, Josh. on the line. Josh, what you got for us on NASCAR America Motor Mouths? Uh, I was just going to ask you guys, how do you guys think about the new next-gen car kind of short track racing? Do you feel like it's better to pass, and do you think that uh, the horsepower and package that we got will be able to work for a few years, or do you think that they'll change it kind of like how they were with the last car? All right, thanks for that call, Josh. So next gen makes good it Hall of Fame question there, Josh. <laughs> next gen makes it short track debut at Richmond, headed to Martinsville, and then headed to I don't know if it's a short track or not, but Bristol Dirt. What do you guys think about next gen on the short tracks? We've seen one. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as far as the, the Coliseum, that was a parking lot, uh, and it was a great show and a great event, but it was not what we consider or what the Cup Series considers short track racing. I think this is the first one we've seen. We're going to know a lot better, I believe, once we leave Martinsville. Uh, Bristol's not going to give us that show because of, because of dirt, but I think we'll know a lot more after you leave Martinsville. We just yeah. talked for a while on the podcast, DJ, which I encourage people to check out later Please. this uh, evening. And you said Martinsville could be as physical and as rough as it's ever been with the next gen. I think it really can. I, I think because of the way these cars are going to drive and uh, the how tough these bodies are. You know, before you had to kind of protect a little bit, yeah. not knocking the fenders off of it. And think, Although we've seen fenderless cars win races up there. so. Uh, but I think that it's just going to be more aggressive. Plus the brakes. I mean, they're going to be further yeah. into the corner or down the straightaway before they start braking now. So carrying that speed in there, I think this gets very physical yeah. uh, Saturday night for sure. Yeah, I, listen, I agree. We, we already hear from these drivers how physical it is to drive these cars. Um, Martinsville was already physical. Uh, if you go back in time through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, there's plenty of photos of drivers laying on the asphalt right beside their car when the day is over with taking oxygen and getting water poured on them. These cars are a little bit warmer. We've already heard that. Uh, we know these guys are a lot more aggressive. Uh, when you've got to jam that brake and we start talking driving 10 or 15 feet just farther mm -hmm. into the corner mm -hmm. and putting that pressure on those bigger brakes, Listen, you're going to wear that leg out. Yeah. That leg yeah. is going to be worn out yeah. when the day is over with. And as DJ said on the NASCAR NBC podcast, it'll be available later, um, no more wheel hop. Yeah. Um, so it, it essentially like just changes how aggressive you can be, Yeah, I just guess. drive it until you see God. That, that's <laughs> it, man. And that, that's what you do. You just, they're just going to drive into the corner. We're going to see these guys drive. And, and listen, there used to be a guy, and Dale, my man Dale Jarrett raced against him. Uh, we all raced against him. Sam Ard. And he'd run those BNR motors up there yeah. at Martinsville. He'd drive that thing and park it in the middle of the corner and beat you six car lanes down the straight. And yeah. that's kind of the way this race could be. Park in the middle of the corner and take off because you're going to be able to modulate that brake and control that pack behind you because you've got so much brake, you don't have to worry about being off of it. Okay, we got about a minute left. Any predictions for Saturday night? Hmm. 
I think that we're going to see somebody over 30 win again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. I, I predict the train goes by the racetrack at least one time during the course of the race. That's my only prediction for I like that prediction better than any of the Hall of Fame predictions we've had. <laughs> All right, this week in motorsports coming up, we've got Ryan Blaney on Motormouths Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock, so definitely tune back in for that. And on the Dale Jr. download, you don't want to miss this, Robert Wickens, Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. That's all we've got for NASCAR America Motormouths tonight, though. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.